Hey everyone, DM Jazzy Hands here with a quick pre-show word. We've got some very special information, both about Dia de Muertos and about our partnership with Eldritch Foundry in today's mid-show break and the outro. The Eldritch Foundry information might even include a discount code, so definitely don't skip past either of those breaks this week. Okay, enjoy the episode. Welcome to this week's very special Dia de Muertos holiday episode part two of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me, I have... Zagora! Meepo! And Kashak. Last week, as you might have noticed, our players got new characters. Kit escaped from the dragon that had kidnapped her, and the party returned to the node chamber only to discover Robert beginning a strange remembrance ritual. Our adventurers decided to participate, which, unbeknownst to them, summoned the spirits of three of their departed friends, Nepo, Zagara, and Kashak. Unfortunately, it also sent another of their friends, Bizdira, into a strange in-between place between life and death, Bizdira having died once before. Our players assumed the roles of the spirits and traveled to an afterlife to intercede on Bizdira's half with the Gatekeeper, a powerful being that feeds on fond memories and love, in the hopes that she would be able to help them return Bizdira to the land of the living. What memories will Nepo, Kashak, and Zagara provide to the Gatekeeper to convince her to help them? Will we be able to get through Meepo's memory without laughing hysterically at Terran doing a low, deep voice for Meepo? No. And will they, in fact, be able to get Bizdira back to the land of the living? Let's find out. Hey, y'all. Hello. Hey. Hey. Uh, welcome back, listeners. Uh, so, uh, Last week's episode, uh, the Dia de Muertos uh, holiday episode, uh, was released before uh, the actual holiday on November 2nd, and this one is being released after, so nice bookends uh, to the holiday sandwiched right in the middle. Uh, And just like last week, I'm actually- A holiday uh, sandwich. Mm, Mm. Holiday sandwich. Uh, just like last week at the end of this episode, stay tuned all the way through our outro. Uh, I know it's a chore sometimes, uh, but stay tuned because once again, we're going to dedicate this episode just like we did last week and do a little history lesson. Um, it will be the same, but hey, you can hear it again and I don't feel bad about it. So again, we don't have, uh, Bizdira to like ask questions at the top. Do any of you have anything before we jump in? So my no. first memory was sitting okay, on so my that's, yeah, so, that's <laughs> so So here, we're going to try this again. All right, we're going to try this again. So you all are, if you will remember, uh, you are in the top of this tower that is built of pictures and trinkets and memories. And at the top of this tower are four skeletons dressed in finery and hats facing the gatekeeper, who is a woman full of life and vitality and glow, but who has a a mortal wound in her heart uh, that looks as if it were sacrificial or ritualistic in nature. And she has been consuming what look like globes filled with stars, but she told you that each of those stars is actually a fond memory provided by a family member of a loved one. And she was rather cross uh, in her way that you all had interrupted her on this holy day, but agreed to converse with you if you all would provide your own memories to her to feast upon first. Uh, and so that's where we begin with, <laughs> with Meepo. Are you going to kick us off? We're going to get through it. We're going to try it. I'm okay, not going to look at go. any of you while I do this. 
Great. So I was sitting on my mama's knee. Woof. <laughs> I glanced at the screen. I'm not going to look. And she kissed me and told me that she wanted me to find some friends. And so off I went. And at first, as I roamed through the tunnels, I saw Dranks and his friends, and I tried to go and play with them. Dranks, just in case you didn't know, strange lady. <laughs> strange lady, oh my god. <laughs> we always assumed that he would become the leader of our tribe, because historically, that was what was going to happen. And I asked if I could play with them, and they laughed at me because I'm so short, and my feelings were very hurt and so off I went and I sat and I cried in a corner for a little bit and then I heard laughter and I thought it was them and I went outside to be angry but it was three friends laughing holding books enjoying each other's company and so for a while they allowed me to be around them I learned that they were the thoughtful three and I much enjoyed being around them but didn't know if they really liked me or if anyone would really ever want to be Amiibo's friend. And then one day I went to meet with them and they weren't in our regular meeting spot. And I thought, well, I guess this is the day that I have no friends. And so as I started to leave, I heard a little sticker and I turned around and saw the three of them hiding with the banner. And the banner said the thoughtful three and then they lifted it up further and it said, and Meepo. And I knew I had friends. And he wipes a little tear away from his eye. I miss them. Sigara and and Kashak, you watch uh, as you're listening to Meepo's story. You watch as uh, from him, sort of just from, I don't know, his mouth, his heart, his something. Uh, you begin to see a little sort of uh, warping of the air in front of him. And you watch as the story unfolds and continues, and you see that a globe, a dark black globe, similar to the ones that were coming out of the sky, begins to take form in front of Meepo. And as Meepo finishes the story, uh, and with that sentence about knowing that he had friends, a small pinprick of light, like the stars above this room, comes from Meepo's heart and nestles itself inside the very center of the globe. And that globe floats its way over to the gatekeeper, who still has not moved. Her arms are outstretched, her head slightly thrown back, and her mouth opens again, and the globe is consumed by the gatekeeper. And her mouth closes, and you all hear again, without her moving, without her opening her mouth, but clearly it is her voice, and it comes from her. You hear her sort of sigh contentedly. Ah, a perfect pair of sweetness from the memory's beauty, and a body from the truth of its importance. Thank you. Hell nod. And also, I suppose it's it's worth mentioning, Meepo, that you still have this memory. You can still remember that okay. event that you are not giving up these memories, but rather sharing them. And so the gatekeeper at this point says, If your memories are as beautiful as this, perhaps in the end I will be able to help your friend. Please, who's next? Oh man, it feels like a lot of pressure now, but I'll go next. <laughs> I was about to say, I don't think mine's as long as that one. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. Okay, Zagara will look at Kashak. He'll nod to him. Go, go ahead. Gulp, does a little gulp. 
oh, very nervous about that this. That was so adorable. <laughs> that was incredible. I don't think I've ever heard or seen anything like that in my life. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> and Zagara will take a little step forward. Zagara used to live in a forest. And it was a beautiful forest filled with animals and poisonous flowers that I would collect from and other beings. But Zagara was also like Meepo, a very lonely being. And Zagara would wander, wander the forest, hoping and looking for a home. And throughout the forest, Zagara would stay at times with the orcs and at times with the snake people. But in one of the times, Zagara, in his wandering, found a strange creature most wondrous. This was after the four had come and I was wandering around avoiding them because the scary mask lady was too scary and I needed somebody to protect Zagara. <laughs> this is the best. And in my wandering, I found this wondrous creature, part owl, part bear. <laughs> and I named it Owly. Owly. Perfect. Owly and I, Owly and Zagara. This is how Zagara speaks, always in uh -huh. third person. Uh -huh. It's very <laughs> difficult to remember. <laughs> Owly and Zagara became friends. And in fact, Owly would let me wander and sit on his back. And Zagara and Owly would have many wondrous adventures. But perhaps my favorite adventure was when we stumbled across some bright red berries. And Zagara looked at Owly from down on top and said, Owly, would you like some racing stripes? <laughs> and yes. Owly vigorously nodded his head. So Zagara climbed down off of his back and we spent the afternoon. Zagara made a paste of red from the berries and Owly kept Zagara company. When the paste was prepared, I made a beautiful design on his sides and Owly was so pleased with the work. And Zakara felt so proud to have brought such joy to his friend. And when I think of that memory, Zagara knows that one day, Owly and him will be reunited here. Didn't we kill Owly? That's so beautiful. I know. <laughs> That's why I said I'll be reunited. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, um. Now I feel so bad. Oh no, that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. Yeah, it was really lovely, and also sad. So Meepo and Kashak, uh, just as happened with Meepo, you see throughout the story and a globe forming in front of, of Zagara. And Zagara's, as Zagara finishes the story, the memory that, that comes out of him to nestle inside of the globe is, whereas most of the stars in the sky and the memory from Meepo are sort of pure white. Uh, Zagara's has a little bit of an orange glow to it as it nestles inside the globe. And the globe again floats over towards the gatekeeper and she consumes it just as she did Meepo's. And she, again, you hear from her a sort of a curious sound. Ah, you, 
your life was ended rather suddenly. You hold some sadness that you are no longer among the living. Rest assured, your memory tastes of finality, of completeness. Remember your life fondly, but never doubt that you are meant to be here, that you are safe, and that there are those who remember you where you came from. That is all we can ask. And I think that when she says that Zagara is safe, I think all of this like tension and nervousness that Zagara has been carrying forever kind of melts away and he feels at peace with his fate and his place in the world. She says, It is rare that I am provided with memories and love from the sources themselves. This holy day is about those who remain behind, remembering us who have passed on. It is a beautiful treat. I thank you. But we are not finished, are we? Koshak will step forward and say, No, we are not. I held a very uh, great amount of power in the land of the living, and with that power came quite the burden. I was in charge of many of my kind, and many times I didn't know what to do with that power or how to interpret what I was given. And I was given a prophecy some time ago that I didn't know what to make of. And um, then when all seemed at its darkest and I knew that uh, my time was coming to an end and the future of my people was at stake, the answer to everything that I had been wishing and I knew that would be the best for my people showed up at my door. And that was knowing that the future of the people that I held the most care for was everything that I needed to know that I could move on and accept that they would be in good hands with a secure future moving forward rather than sticking where we were. And one of these people that showed up on my door at my doorstep is the one that we are trying to help today. And then he'll step backwards. And again, Zagara and Meepa, you see the globe form. You see the pure white memory embed itself within. You see it get consumed by the gatekeeper. And she's silent for a while after Kashak's memory. And she finally, after a long silence, says, Yours is a memory from a very long line of memories. Unlike your friends, you are here because you did everything there was to do. Your life was long, fruitful, successful, and it came to an end as with your friends when it was meant to. This leaves a beautiful taste, and I thank you for it. You have provided such refreshing memories for me. And it is time that I uphold my end of the bar. Tell me of your friend. Tell me of the problem you have. And we shall see if I can help you. 
Hey everybody, your friendly neighborhood dungeon master DM Jazzy Hands here with a few mid-show announcements. First of all, if you're enjoying the episode so far, it would be muy agradable if you could pop on over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you get our podcast from and leave us a rating and review. We'll always read any five-star reviews we get on the air as soon as we're able, and the more of them we receive, the more visible the show becomes, and the more people we get to listen. Doesn't have to take more than just a few seconds, and it really does help us out a ton. Before we get to our usual mid-show stuff, I want to once again this week say just a few words about the music in this episode, which, like last week, is different from what we usually use. I consulted with some of my family members and found audio of various groups performing pirequas, traditional music from the Purépecha, a tribe of indigenous people in Mexico that live in what is today the state of Michoacán and from whom I am partially descended. This style of music is what my family listens to at the cemetery on Dia de Muertos every year. Though some of the pirequas you'll hear may be sad and somber, many will be more upbeat and lighthearted sounding. It was important to all of us as we recorded these episodes, and to me as I edited them, to make sure that our Dia de Muertos episodes matched the tone of the holiday. Dia de Muertos is not a spoopy or a spooky holiday like Halloween, nor is it a depressing, grief-filled festival, despite its emphasis on death. Rather, the holiday is one of joy, of gratitude, and of fond nostalgia, and so I did my best to find authentic Mexican music that would reflect that. Do please stay tuned through the very end of the episode for more information about the history of and the significance of Dia de Muertos, and for a list of loved ones to whom the six of us here at TLR would like to dedicate these episodes. Alright, back to the regular Midro stuff. We also want to remind everyone that we have a Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge to get access to all kinds of cool patron perks like early access to certain episodes, character sheets for the PCs, and much more. In addition, by supporting our Patreon, you'll be supporting multiple other content creators across the Patreon sphere via our Patreon It Forward program. More information on the program and a list of creators that we're patronizing are available on our Patreon page. Right now, I want to take a minute to recognize some of our awesome patrons and thank them for their support. Thank you so much to our honorary party members, Tanya, Sir Mox the Magnificent, Matthew Allen, and Shimmy Gangot, and to our Shimmerscale tribe leaders, Eugenio, Eliyahu of Merck Grove, and Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge. If you want to get shoutouts on the show and much, much more, hop on over to patreon.com slash dndlastrefuge and become a patron today. We want to thank BattleBards for providing the theme music for our show. You can check out their awesome library at BattleBards.com. If you ever get adventures, character options, new monsters, or anything at all from the DMs Guild or from any of the drive through family of websites, be sure to use our affiliate links found on our website and in the episode notes when you shop there so that TLR gets a portion of your purchase. It's like Amazon Smile, but make it D&D. We also want to thank D&D Beyond for their support of our podcast and for being generally amazing in every way possible. If you aren't already a D&D Beyond fan and user, go check out their services at dndbeyond.com. You won't regret it. Now, as we mentioned a few weeks ago, we are partnering with Eldritch Foundry, and we want to tell you a little bit more about that partnership now. First of all, Eldritch Foundry is an up-and-coming, customizable 3D miniatures company that prints your dream mini in extremely high detail just for you. They have officially launched their website, and they are gearing up to release their first content package featuring the Warforged, or Wargast, race. This package is being released in correlation with the Eberron book release, dropping mid-November. There will also be more items, clothing, and weapons dropping with that package. I just headed over to eldritchfoundry.com to see what their system is like, and they have such a cool mini-builder where you can customize your race, different aspects of your clothing, items that your character is holding, and things that are set up around the mini on the base. 
It's very, very cool. You should definitely check it out. You can go to eldritchfoundry.com or go to our website, dndlastrefuge.com, and find a link there. Our listeners can use the following code to get a discount off of your orders at eldritchfoundry.com. Just enter the code LASTREFUGE, that's L-A-S-T-R-E-F-U-G-E, at checkout for your discount. Alright, finally, some where you can find us announcements. Both of my live streams are still happening up on the Variant Rolls Twitch channel, the Descent into Avernus game on Saturday morning starting at 9.30am Eastern, and the Overlight game on Monday nights at 9pm Eastern. Check us out at twitch.tv slash variantrolls, or if you can't watch us live, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash variantrolls, to check out the VODs. And of course, if you want to see us in person, Flick, Kit, Story Consultant Robert, and myself will all be at PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia at the beginning of December. I'll be on a couple of panels. I promise I'm going to get you details for those soon. And of course, all of us are just going to be around hoping to meet some of you in person, maybe play some games together. So drop us a tweet or a DM on Instagram or an email to let us know if you're going to be there at PAX Unplugged. Okay, once again, it was a bit long. Thanks for bearing with us, but that is all the announcements I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening, and happy gaming, y'all. Koshek will step forward once more (laughs) and say thank you very much. We have known her name is Bizdira and we know that some time ago uh, we were informed that she in fact passed on to this life for a very brief time and was brought back by uh, magical means. We think that she is partially stuck in this afterlife while also holding some ground in the land of the living in another world. We don't quite know where. We just know that we have to get her back. You say that your friend was released from her mortal coil at some point. Who is to say that the anomaly in her timeline was not her dying, but in fact her being returned to life? Perhaps it was her I cannot take your word alone. Then whose word will you take? She's silent for a minute and she says, A question perhaps without an answer. You must prove to me that she is indeed not meant to be here. How? I cannot say. I'm tempted to make a joke, but I'm not going to do it because Zagara <laughs> wouldn't do it. But maybe he would. I don't know. It's a joke to me, but not to Zagara. <laughs> sure. I mean, Nepo, I think did if Sagara's on the side, then it's fine. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, it's not going to be a peaceful resting place for Zagara if Bizdira is over <laughs> here. <laughs> I think, I think Zagara, pre the, the interaction with the gatekeeper, absolutely would have said something to that effect. <laughs> um, uh, Meepo, did you have something? <laughs> Yeah, Meepo will say, these four... No, I just... I don't know. I think I was trying to be the gatekeeper for a second. (laughs) (laughs) So many voices. I'm very proud of you all, by the way. Um, These four are meant to be together. The four are meant to complete whatever task is set in front of them as a unit and not separate from each other. She needs to be returned to her family in order to protect the world that they are in. Be that as it may, we all have to leave those who need us. And when it is our time, we must leave them, whether or not they are ready for us. Tell me more of your friend. Tell me of her life. Tell me of who she is. 
Zagara will step forward. <laughs> oh, Zagara's going first. Oh. I know. He's grown so much I in know. these last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, five minutes, three days, who knows? Right, who knows? Played, how long it's been. <laughs> so Zagara stepped forward and said, She is very frightening. However, that only speaks to her love of life. Right. <laughs> sure. Um, I do think it's a bit of a struggle for Zagara, even though he's totally. had a transformation. It's totally. hard to speak super, super positively about this. Sure, Zagara. absolutely, absolutely. Zagara has seen the bond of these friends, and they do work quite well together. <laughs> as you, as uh, Meepo and Kashak, as Zagara sort of struggles through this, talking about Bizdira, you see the faintest beginnings of another globe forming uh, near Zagara. Uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't really, it hasn't really taken shape yet. I'll say, keep going. And I'll nod my little head. Um, when Zagara first met the scary mask lady, Bizdira, Dira, <laughs> she was very frightening, and Zagara was very scared of them. Quite, quite scared. However, the last time we met, we almost became friends. The other of their group, the one with the horns, he devised a game <laughs> with Zagara. And though oh. at first it was terrifying, Zagara ended up enjoying it. In fact, it was like a slip and slide. The two friends, Horn Man and Scary Mask Lady, would <laughs> pick Zagara's little body up and throw it down the mud slide. Aww. And the first time, it hurt quite a bit. <laughs> but Aww. over time, Zagara saw that in fact, this is what friendship is. Coming together and doing silly things, even if it doesn't quite make sense. And that's what the scary mask lady taught me. And then he's going to step back, because that's a lot of things for him yeah. to have just said. <laughs> yeah. As, as he steps back, the globe has slowly taken full form. And as he steps back, he leaves behind a, 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 a memory, a prick of light that goes into the globe. But this one is dim. Uh, and and colored. It's not vibrant like yours were. But the globe floats over to the gatekeeper anyway, and she consumes it and almost immediately says, Oh. <laughs> there is something. Perhaps you are not entirely incorrect. Her memory is incomplete somehow. Uh, please, someone, give me another. So, Kashak will, in fact, step forward once again and say, Well, if this is any help or consolation, uh, I would like to add that the first time I met Bizdira, actually, the all four of them at the same time, as I've described previously, I remember joking with them a bit, saying, In all my years, I didn't think anything would surprise me. I was wrong. To which Bizdira, who I did not know at the time, responded with a simple, you're welcome. And that was my first interaction with her. And a small globe appears near Kashak, And again, a similarly dim light 
uh, enters it, floats over, and uh, is consumed by the gatekeeper. She says, Yes. Yes, there does seem to be something about her memories. It feels incomplete. But I cannot be sure quite yet. Have you one more? Yes. Bizdira and I had been friends for some time, and she helped us all to become stronger and train, especially as we were being attacked by the orcs. And I remember thinking just before I died that should the tunnels fall, they would be protected to her very last breath because she believed in us and is a true friend and always will be. And the orb forms, the memory embeds itself in it floats over, the gatekeeper consumes it and says, immediately says, Yes, yes. that settles it. As strange as it seems, you are all correct. Your friend is not meant to be here. Her story is not finished. There is more for her to do. Her memories need maturing still. Take her. Take her back. Take her back, find where she is, and put this around her neck. And on the floor in front of you all sort of appears a sort of necklace made of these bright orange flowers. Put this around her neck, take her by the hand, and go back to your friends. The connection should still be there. And with that final pronouncement, the skeletons that were flanking the gatekeeper sort of turn back to face forward and put their arms back down to their sides, their mouths close. And again, the gatekeeper doesn't move, but as you sort of stand there in silence wondering if that is indeed the end of it, you see a new globe appear in the sky and begin to float its way back towards her. I'll take the flowers. Okay, so Meepo has the garland, the wreath, the necklace, the whatever. Sagara waves at her. Thank you, Star Lady! Koshek will give a silent bow, and then I think turn and go. Okay. So you all make your way back down the tower. You go out. Let me have wisdom perception checks one more time from all of you as you exit the tower of the gatekeeper. Koshek? A 14. Zagara? Six. (laughs) Meepo? 20. So at least we know that it isn't Kit, it's just you. It's just my dice. I'm throwing them all away, buying brand new ones tomorrow. <laughs> Kashak, did you say 16? 20. No, Kashak. 14. Oh, sorry. 14. Okay. Uh, so Meepo, you're the only oh, one God. who notices this. <laughs> Meepo, you're the only one who notices this. Um, but as you leave the tower and head back towards where you uh, last saw Bizdira's form waiting for you, you sort of look back to the east Uh, where you saw all of that brightness and that movement. And there in the east, that light is gone. In fact, the east, that, that area looks strangely dark and still, as if all of those lights that had appeared on your way to the gatekeeper's tower are gone. That's not good or bad. I don't like that at all. I mean, remember also that you're Meepo, right? And this is, this is the afterlife. And so... Meepo knows nothing of anything that's sure. been going on, so, you know. it's Yes, it's definitely strange, but I don't know that Meepo would... Yeah, okay. So you get back uh, and find Bizdira exactly where you left her, not having moved a bit. I'll put the garland on her head, over her head. 
uh, and your hands sort of go through her, but immediately, the gar- as soon as the garlands touch her shoulders, she sort of snaps into focus and solidifies, and the garland hangs there. And uh, she looks up and looks at the three of you, and just sort of then, uh, she looks rather surprised, and then she slumps, uh, unconscious. So we, I, Koshek will take her by the hand. Okay. And we'll start to head back to where... Flip yeah, you and, can feel that connection. So Meepo, mm-hmm. Meepo and Zagara, what, what are you two doing? I'll help to bring her. Okay. I'm holding Kashek's hand. Yeah, that feels good. I'm not touching Vizdira. We ha- we, look, we've made some progress, but let's not get excited. <laughs> all right, so you all sort of take that spiritual connective pathway that you feel to your friends in the node chamber back. And uh, the this afterlife fades from your view. And slowly that chamber that you all found yourselves in rather surprisingly some time ago begins to fade back into view. And the first thing that you notice is uh, that Bizdira is not with you. Uh, like, you're no longer holding on to her hands. And, uh, oh gosh, now both of your personas are in the same place. We get to have conversations with ourselves. <laughs> And so Kit and Bria and Flick see Meepo and Zagara and Kashak uh, begin to reappear. And for them, it's been seconds that have passed. Um, yeah, I mean, Flick will just why do, look yeah, around. Why don't you take control of your, of your player, of your characters again? Is Bizdira here? Uh, so at the moment, all you see, uh, you know, you're looking where the three of them left because you really haven't had time to, to do much since. It's really only been maybe a second or two. And you see the three figures reappear and Vizier is not with them. Um, did you, like, will uh, be like, um, did you actually do anything? Because you weren't <laughs> gone for very long. <laughs> Where's Bizdira? Uh, and the three of them look a little concerned and confused. And then Zagara's eyes get kind of big and he points behind you. And as you turn around, you hear a voice say, What happened? I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to tear up a little bit. And I'm going to run to her. And I'm going to hug her. Me too. Puppy pile. Me three. She's pretty confused. Uh, She doesn't have any memory of what happened. uh, Or really that any true time has passed. But, you know, she'll take a hug, I guess, probably. (laughs) She's like, what are you guys doing? And once you all have sort of had your fill of the hug, uh, you, you look back and you see Kashak and Meepo and Zagara uh, sort of standing close together, watching the three of you looking on. They are back, you know, they're still incorporeal and, and ghostly. And they smile fondly at you all. And Kashak says, well, I thank you all for remembering us. It was nice to see you all again and nice to have an opportunity to remember our lives. And Meepo says, um, what does Meepo say? Meepo says, ah, Meepo says, um, I talked a lot about, uh, how you all are gonna save the world, so, uh, don't disappoint. And Zagara, uh, just sort of nods along with them and says, um, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, do you all want to say anything? No, I'll just give, uh, I'm going to stand, no, uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up, brush them off the puppy pile, kind of gets like get away from me type thing. And then I'm going to stand there and give a slow motion salute. 
straight up, hand on my forehead, and then straight across my face in slow motion. Oh my god. And while this is happening, I'm going to say thank you for bringing our friend back to us. And thank you for everything that you did for us in this life. And they'll all nod, and Kashak will say, you're welcome. And Nepo says, and thank you. And Zagaris says, don't forget us. We'll never forget you. And they Aww. begin to fade from view, Kashak completely disappearing, and then Meepo. Just before Zagara is completely gone, he runs towards you all full tilt, arms outstretched. And just as he disappears, his arms sort of wrap around Bizdira's legs. And then he's gone. And that's where we're going to end it for this week. No. Thanks so much for listening to this week, part two of our very special Dia de Muertos epi- holiday episodes. Be sure to listen next week to find out, uh, I mean, I guess how we continue the story, the party. It's time for our adventures to head east. So we will see what happens. You can reach out to the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at dndlastrefuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, last refuge. If you've got more than 280 characters to say to us, you can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon, see some awesome fan art, find out what cons we'll be attending, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D, you can check out our website at www.dndlastrefuge.com. Dia de Muertos is a Mexican holiday that traces its origins back to Aztec rituals honoring Mitecaquihuatl, the queen of Mitlan, or the underworld, who the gatekeeper was modeled after. After Mexico was colonized by Catholic Spaniards and much of the indigenous population was wiped out, those that survived to remember and honor the traditions of the past were forced to adapt their rituals and holidays to adhere more closely to, and sometimes to even hide within, Catholic holidays. Whereas the indigenous peoples originally celebrated death in the late summer, the Spanish colonizers forced the day to be celebrated in conjunction with their own All Hallowtide festivities at the beginning of November. Though the two have some similarities, the Aztec tradition of Dia de Muertos focused more on a celebration of the lives of all loved ones, rather than the Catholic celebration of the lives of the, quote, Saints Triumphant on All Saints Day, and the commemoration of the lives of the unbaptized penitent souls in Purgatory on All Souls Day. Today, Americans have become particularly familiar with the tradition of Dia de Muertos, or El Dia de los Muertos, a back translation to Spanish that's more commonly used in the United States, because of the Disney film Coco. Though, as is sometimes the case with Disney films, some of the details of the holiday were exaggerated or even fabricated, the movie did a lot right, faithfully and respectfully representing an important cultural holiday. I, for one, am very, very glad that Disney chose to hire Mexican cultural consultants for that film, a practice that really should be more widespread than it is. In the real world, families celebrate Dia de Muertos in myriad ways, both elaborate and simple. Traditionally, an ofrenda is built, a sort of altar like the one that Robert built, upon which are placed pictures of family members who have passed. Sometimes, items belonging to the deceased, favorite foods, and other items may be included on the ofrenda. The iconography of the calavera, or sugar skull, and the catrinas, the skeleton women dressed in festive garb that accompanied the gatekeeper in our adventure are also often associated with the holiday, as is music, though music plays a pretty integral part in much of Mexican culture, so that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. 
My family celebrates every year by going to the cemeteries where our beloved departed are interred and spending the day with them. We bring wreaths and flowers, pictures, food, and often music, and we sit and remember our loved ones and celebrate the time that we had with them. Though to our modern Western sensibilities, it can be painful at times to remember those we have lost, this holiday is not one of sadness, but of joy and gratitude and celebration, which ensures that when the day ends, the mood, while usually solemn, is rarely depressed. It is in the spirit of joy and gratitude for the time that we were given that we dedicate these holiday special episodes to and remember some of those who would undoubtedly find their way onto our own ofrendas this past November 2nd. These episodes are dedicated to Donald L. Tarvin, John Lethan, Homer Hupf, Ben Hupf, Chloe, Jean Rodriguez, Louis and Esperanza Rodriguez, Rick Rodriguez, Richard and Elizabeth Howard, Anat Nilo, Ada Bierensweg, Margie Hauser, Mayor Hyatt, Rita O'Regan, and Victor Fortino Vargasangiano. As always, I want to thank Robert Hupf, my story consultant for this campaign, and of course, all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood dungeon master, DM Jazzy Hands, and with me, I have... Kit! Bria! And Flick. Happy gaming, y'all. Welcome to this week's episode of The Last oh God, yes. Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood, Meepo, and with me, I have... <laughs> And with me, I have... Zagora! Meepo! And Kasha. Oh my god, did you hear my voice crack? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me try again. <clears throat>